0: What's up? It's Mike Fenoya from Comes a Time, letting you know that O'Teal and I are going to be bringing the podcast to Patreon. Uh, Each week, we are going to provide members with a bonus episode. And what we talk about is going to be up to you. That's right. Members can send in their questions, stories, topics that you'd like to hear O'Teal and I chat about, and uh, we'll shout you out and take your questions each week. You gotta make it a good question though. If it's what's your favorite dead song, uh, we might skip that one. So do better. We have faith in you. Head to patreon.com slash comes a time pod and get on the bus. Hey, welcome to Comes a Time Podcast. I'm O'Teal. And I'm Mike. And today on the pod uh, O'Teal has his new chair and we have Ronnie Chang, the international sensation. Uh, such an unbelievable comic, sharp writer, hard worker, good friend. And, uh, he joins us for, uh, went super quick. I mean, this one was like, it blew by and I felt like he kind of interviewed us a little bit.
1: (laughs) He did. He he was like, I want to talk about more music.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Isn't it interesting though? Sometimes like this is a perfect example of like the world that we live in, like the dead community and the jam scene and the living for live music kind of way that we operate. Not everyone does it. (laughs) And like, I don't, I rarely talk to people who, who don't. And then it's like, wait, so I don't really understand, like, what shakedown again? And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe every It reminds has- me of when, I, when we went to
1: India to pick up our daughter. You know, st- some places, the smaller towns were crazy. And we had to go get some form, the ds three sixty five fourteen or whatever, right? And so we get there, and it's like a government building. But it's, that's not where we go. It's this, like, shakedown street outside the government, but there's just like, wow. Farm animals and tents, and then there's this guy with like a dilapidated printer, a dilapidated scanner, and a dilapidated laptop, and that's the guy that's going to give us the form. And so the lady taking us around, I knew said, "This is probably a little weird for you, isn't it?" And I was like, "No, it's not weird." <laughs> yeah. you know, so I tried to explain shake down street to her, and she had just come from America. I was like, "This is exactly like my whole life, actually." Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. And then a guy rolls like, by on a we, cooler on a skateboard. So. And, uh, two for ten beers. <laughs> <laughs> Three like a dog goes by.
1: We got this.
0: <laughs> a frisbee that was never thrown. <laughs> Dude, your chair. It, you look like an. You look like like a like a a villain or like a. I don't know. It's so kick ass. Show us that chair. That's that's so neat. It's uh, it's my uh, a good buddy of mine gave
1: me this one. Wow.
0: Oh, yeah. Dude.
1: And my studio is back at some studio space. now. I'm not going to show you all of it till I get my drum
0: set up. In that chair, you look like you're always going 100 miles an hour. It's <laughs> kick-ass, dude. I love it. You look like you have lumbar support and upper shoulder. Like, and you yeah. can
1: actually you know, go to sleep in this thing if you
0: <laughs> nice. So when I start telling stories, you could just zonk. <laughs> Ronnie's the shit, and uh, again, this is someone who I would love to have back because the or we need to start making these podcasts longer, Otl, because it's we we barely scratch the surface, you know. Um, I know you have to go to the bathroom
1: usually after about an hour or so, but <laughs> I know what I said, the fuck? Just go to the bathroom and come
0: back. We'll just keep going. <laughs> Why do I pit? am I at that point already? Do you not have to piss all the time? I have to piss like every hour. I go like right before we, uh, so
1: yeah, but I don't know, maybe i I'm sure it would
0: happen. It's probably like an hour fifteen hour thirty for me, and it's an hour for you. I think it's my stupid stool that I'm sitting on, maybe if I had a better chair that cradled my bladder, I would be uh you know able to to go longer without actually
1: I have a pee bottle and a tube right here. This is like the <laughs> yeah, last we've ever done it.
0: <laughs> I'm peeing right now. <laughs> Uh, it was great to catch up with Ronnie. He's someone who I always loved seeing in the city doing shows and, and, uh, we hope you guys love it. And, and as always, if you're loving our podcast, then you'll love all of our brethren and sister and is it sister and, uh, sister, brother and sister podcasts on the Osiris network. Um, we've got so many amazing shows and you should check them out at osirispod.com. And if you are enjoying comes a time, you should uh, give us a, a five-star rating and a review and tell your friends and your family and keep in touch with us. Um, and we're going we're doing uh, Patreon episodes each week too. So you could come chat with us and ask us what you'd like uh, us to answer and talk about. So you can go to patreon.com slash a time pod and get on the bus. So enjoy Ronnie. Otil, enjoy your chair. I'm going to enjoy peeing. (laughs) (laughs) You guys have a good one. Peace.
2: Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me. It's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer owned, Vermont grown.
0: What's up everybody? Welcome back. Uh we've got the great my pal Ronnie Chang. How you doing, bud?
3: Hey, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Good to see you guys.
0: Yeah, man. So happy to see you. You're uh you're back in uh in the Apple, huh? You're in yes, New York sir. City? Yes, so
3: it was away for um 5 months. Give or take 5 months. Uh not entirely by choice. Uh, but um uh I think I, I really lucked out and uh, I kind of skipped the worst parts of what was happening. And I'm back in New York right now. And uh, I got to say, I mean, I don't know if I'm being naive, but the the vibe is is pretty cool. You know, it's much better than I thought it would be. When you read the news from outside America, when you see the news, it's like, yeah. end of the world. Like, <laughs> it's not every day. It's like, this thing is over. But then, you, you, you know, when you're on the ground and... You, you can feel the vibe of the people in the city and it, it's it's a lot more hopeful than <laughs> than what's on Twitter.
0: So, Well, of course, everything. Is. <laughs> have you been going like full-blown into New York, like riding the subways, like doing restaurants the whole nine?
3: Uh, yeah, so I've been not on the subway. Um, for, I, I mean, I guess we all have our weird things that don't make sense, right? Like, so I'm, I'm, I'm eating in restaurants, uh, not inside, but at exactly. restaurants. I'm trying to support small businesses because I feel like all these small businesses, especially restaurants, is kind of what makes New York special to me. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to help them keep going. Um, and uh, so I'll do that, but I won't... I'm trying to avoid the subway, but I think... I, I've been riding the bike up and down Manhattan which even before the pandemic uh, local tip the bike lanes in Manhattan are the secret resource Manhattan it's a, it's a secret resource it's how you get up and down and it, it's if you do the ones which are uh, separate to traffic it's, it's safe the ones cross town, that's crazy. You know, that's that I can understand why you'd be nervous about that, but there's ones where the bike lanes are totally separate to the road. And I think that's the hidden, it's a hidden resource in Manhattan. So, so I've been doing that. Uh, but I, I, I got some shows in Brooklyn on some Brooklyn rooftop, so I might have to take the train to get that. So Jesus. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's weird. Otil. like comedy has essentially become like you do it next to a dumpster at a diner in Astoria mm-hmm. Queens, or you do it on a roof of a bakery in Brooklyn. And in the middle in the of Central Park. Yeah, have you done any of the park shows or Yeah,
3: so so I didn't know what to expect. Uh I was just kind of looking for gigs to do and um some some people were doing stand up. New York has been doing a lot of shows in Central Park. Uh and so I I I went to do that and kind of expecting the worst because we can talk about this like, as a musician. You you know like um <laughs> Anyway, I'll finish the story. I did yeah. the shows in the park, and they were they were they were they were great. People really wanted to be there. The sound is terrible, but <laughs> and and you can you can watch people because I watched the show from the back. People really straining to hear, you know, like in a in a bad way, but in a good way because people are like they want to be there so bad and they're there to listen. So it takes so much attention to listen. Yeah, that it in that sense, it's a little bit, you know, it it. that's that's like a good thing I think because normally when you perform in a park as you know I've done music festivals because in Australia and the UK when we do uh, comedy in in the UK there's this real culture of music festivals outdoor music festivals and there's a culture of doing comedy at these music festivals it's hard and and I, I think this is a Paul F. Tompkins joke but it's like there's something about music before comedy that gets makes people happy and in the mood, there's something about comedy before music that makes people lose their minds and go crazy, <laughs> and people get angry because they're like, We're here for music, we're not here to listen to this guy, you know. And so, it, it, like, sometimes at outdoor music festivals, trying to do stand up comedy is a crazy proposition, you know. So, wow,
0: uh, <laughs> um, we're having hang on, uh, Ronnie. one qu- one quick sec. I guess Otiel's kind of frozen. Can you hear me? I can see Oteil. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, Oteil can you I hear. I can't me? see
1: Ronnie, but uh, Eric is saying it looks good. That he's good now. Yeah. You came back. Now I can see everybody and everybody. All right,
0: Othiel. cool. Yeah, because you, yeah. you you looked so serious, Otiel yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, <laughs> mine was, mine completely. Everybody went away. Oh, wow, really? It, like, Okay. And then it came back, but you were frozen and Ronnie was gone. That's now the I can world, see you guys
0: again. This is the perfectly imperfect world we're living in. And now everything is weird, man. It's just getting, trying to do these things and talk to people. I, in the beginning, you know, Ronnie, I, I didn't really, I got asked to do a couple of Zoom shows, you know, and a couple of them were for charity. And I, did, I instead, I kind of followed the path of the musicians that I love, where I said, here's a really crisp video from 2017, 15 minutes set at Gotham, like, you know, and I talked it up I'm like Sarah Silverman went on right before it was a show called comedy juice Enjoy, And that felt better to me than trying to put aside my anxiety and my fear and be like, Hey guys, so what about, you know, what about ibuprofen? Huh? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> just try to make it- I agree.
3: I think there's there's fundamental differences. I mean, Otio, I don't know if you like you can speak to this between music and comedy. Like, you need to be active for comedy. You need to be active. Music you can kind of enjoy passively, and you know. But I think with comedy, you really need to be listening. And so it's a different proposition on Zoom. And I've been very spoiled in that. I've been turning down. Zoom shows. I mean, some of them, you know, co- colleges or corporates, right. uh, and I, I've I've been pitching them like, hey, let's just do a Q and A. It'll be way better. Q yeah. and A, you know, as opposed to like straight stand up, and uh, yeah. people don't understand. You know, they don't get like you can't do comedy. In any situation, in fact, you can only really do comedy in one situation. It's <laughs> only one. You, you need stage. You need a proper light. You need the light. Like the you ceiling. can't just yeah. Like like for example, there's there's people out there and no no fault of their own, but there's like corp corporate companies who sometimes they're like, yeah, just do comedy, literally in the boardroom, no microphone under fluorescent lights. And that's a crazy idea. I'm saying that to you guys and you guys are like, that's insane. But you, for them, they're like, no, no, that's, that's, that you could do that. You know, that's a possibility. And it's very hard to explain to them why that's not a possibility, especially when the money gets high enough and you're like, damn, I, you know, yeah, dude. For, and for years we bombed for free. Sometimes we pay money to bomb. It's like, you know what? I'll bomb for money if, if you know, so, and then you and then it becomes this weird, like, oh, uh,
0: like yeah. you know, that's how you start you, hating yourself. But you almost want to tell that CEO that hired you, like, sell a deal in front of four hundred people. Yeah, yeah. You know? exactly. like yeah. You, you want me to do comedy in your boardroom. Like, you take a rejection in front of six hundred drunks and <laughs> see how you like it right you know? right <laughs> no music kidding. music yeah, oh, is something that like yeah i mean
3: i mean oh dear, what's the what's the worst like music gig if there is one that you've done where you had to like
1: you know kind of the depressing ones for me always like and these are way back in the old days where you're playing like somewhere that is there's not really they don't care that you're there so it's like a sports bar. People start cheering cheering wildly and it's cause someone made a three pointer you know, you're like, Oh yeah, you finished playing nobody claps. You just <laughs> it's like why don't you just have a just get SiriusXM XM or something and run it through the speakers, you know, but they want you there. And uh, it's it's kinda disheartening. But you know, every I guess we all gotta go through those
3: yeah gigs is what i'm the guy me. who i'm the guy who whenever there's a live musician when they stop the song i'm always applauding even me if too. are yeah i, mean, like, I always see yeah.
1: one other person which <laughs> yeah. is even more depressing for yeah. them. but then you're like thanks yeah. <laughs> you know yeah.
0: and then that musician's coming up to you after the show and talking and mm-hmm. it's like listen i was cool supporting you but i don't want to talk to you uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we were talking uh, earlier ronnie just about how like the going for it And how like the, you know, when the time comes to like, you know, I'm putting all in, I'm going for it. One thing that, O'Toole, one thing that's cool about Ronnie that I love so much, we'd always run into each other at the clubs and he would always, just like applauding that musician, he would always ask me like, how's everything with you and your wife? Are you guys doing okay? Because he knew we lived separate. So like when comedy started for me, I had to like go all in. And she went all in on her career and I explained one day hanging out at the cellar to Ronnie, just that like we were living separate supporting each other, seeing each other when we can. And I mean, years later, every time I'd see you dude, you're like, how is everything with your wife? How's everything with your wife? Cause you got it. You kind of went through the exact same thing.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I I went through the exact same thing. I think, um, st- like, as long as you're a live performer, I think you always go through that still. I mean, I think I'm lucky that, uh, I feel like the name of, I feel like success in comedy for me just meant being able to control my own schedule. If I was able to control my schedule, I I felt like I made it, you know, like in the sense of like, I don't have to be on the road for two weeks at a time. I can do a weekend and come back. For me, that was like, that was the measure of making it right and 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 so i feel like i'm i've always worked towards that um being able to do a venue and come back for a weekend just because of that because um i me and my wife are like uh, yeah we you when you're starting out and you're hitting the road really hard and um even when you're not hitting the road you're out at night you know so we we all get it life performers you know our hours are completely uh mixed mixed up and i you told me about it and So I would ask, but I always felt weird because I felt like it was such a private thing. I didn't know whether I was like prying, Mm -hmm. but yet I knew if anything would be on your mind, it would be that, you know what I mean? That would be the biggest like yeah. thing on on your uh uh if anything was troubling you i feel like that would be the thing troubling you so it's like weird to like bring it up and i'm glad you didn't think i was like prying no. i was trying i was trying also not trying to be like you know all gossipy about it like hey so what's the deal you know it's like oh, is everything okay like and and with guys as well it's like you don't even need to you, you can either just say like ah uh, yeah it's this and then we know we don't even need to ask, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I like, yeah totally, dude. you know, we don't, I, need, we don't need to ask any more details. We go, oh, okay, I get it, you know. Just a look, just a look yeah, it is, is, is enough me. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: On the contrary, I kind of was like, I and I think I always said thank you because I I was happy that you were asking. I, I, I love that. I mean there's so much when you're at a comedy club, there's so much hollow conversation that you're having with so many people. You know, what have you done lately? Who who have you signed with? What are you pitching? But and you're like you seek me out and you go, How's everything with your wife? And I'm like, cool man we're having a real conversation wow <laughs> we're two actual uh, yeah, humans here you know yeah yeah could go either you could see how that could go
3: either way you know if if i ask you know, so what's so what's going on you guys and um yeah and uh i get it because you guys were staying separate places i mean Oteo, i don't know you you would like you you on the road as well a lot and did you manage oh, yeah
1: i mean at this point i'm like you where i can it's like my i'm home more than i'm gone or i can i can I have a lot more freedom to choose you know and my kids are really young so i want to be home a lot more but you know it yeah it's rough they should they should do uh they talk about basketball wives and all that stuff they should do musicians <laughs> and comedians yeah. wives because that's a it's a hard thing i, was I imagine a lot of people are having a hard time now actually being together all the time <laughs> It no, but Mike I might suck for some of them. Yeah, I
3: mean, I don't know how you guys were feeling. Mike was telling me that essentially that when this happened, it was almost like a blessing for in terms of
0: the relationship.
3: For, yeah, staying yeah. together, right? Like having to stay together for a while.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, and it was this thing where it like automatically I kind of we switched roles where like I was out all the time and she was home. She was working her ass off since the minute I've met her, but now I'm home all the time and she's literally going to war every day at, and like, she doesn't know, like the hospital just kept getting more and more filled and I'm home and I'm trying my best to like hide my anxieties and be cool and make sure that there's food ready when she comes home and all that. And like, I became the homemaker kind of, sort of. I did an yep. awful job but it was still just this thing of like the roles changed and now that things are a little bit calmer and we're both kind of used to this new normal new way of living we're spending time it's like we're dating again like i'm sitting down by the f- like we build a fire and we're talking about like just stuff that about ch- our childhood and high school and exes and fun stories and our first jobs. And it's really neat. Like, I think that might be one of the good things that happened about all this was it forced us to just kind of look around at the people that we love and be like, Oh yeah, that's why I love you. You Yeah.
3: Yeah. Oh, did you, um, did you, were you like uh, on tour and you had to stop the tour when, when the pandemic came out, broke?
1: No, we had a, we did have one show, which happened in New York the day that, they declared at the epicenter and a bunch of us got sick at that show. And after we went back home, but I did have a tour coming up and that was canceled. And then the whole rest of the year, like this was set to be my biggest year, you know, and, uh, but you know, it's happening for everybody. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can relate because
3: I, I had a big tour planned and I'm coming off a Netflix special that, um, i i I felt like the from the social media response I got I felt like i my special kind of moved the needle a little bit, so I felt like I was gonna draw a bit more and you know the the <laughs> ticket sales were were showing that, and then I had to kind of cancel the whole thing um well, I moved it to next year, you know but i I don't know I just uh, uh something about uh, like i i don't know i was I wasn't that upset about it. I don't know wh- why uh, maybe it's because I had the I feel like I released the album I wanted to release and I said what I wanted to say and I'm glad I got it out there just before the <laughs> pandemic and so uh, I don't know maybe that mentality of um that like it's it's a Seinfeld thing of like he's he, he was he was always like leave them wanting more and so mm-hmm. I think I was in a position where I felt like I could Uh, build the anticipation by postponing things as opposed to like destroying my momentum or maybe a little bit of both. I don't know. But I I was in my head, I was a little bit like, okay, well, and, and, and and that idea of like comedy kind of shutting down in this thing. I can't speak to music, but comedy kind of shutting down in my head. I'm a bit like, I know a lot of people's livelihoods were affected and that's obviously horrible, but in terms of culturally, I feel like, yeah, I think that was too much. (laughs) I think, let it slow down, let people miss it, give people a chance to miss it. You know, if we, if the businesses can survive and I know the club owners, so I don't want to, I don't want to be, you know, uh, yeah. insulting them because their livelihoods are literally at stake. They put their necks on the line sure. to open these clubs. But culturally, I feel like, um, get, yeah, let, let them miss it. Let them, See how it is without it, you know. Mm. And I can tell. I I did the shows in the park, and like I said, I can tell. Man, people coming out desperate for it. Oh we are in the God, park, like risking no. death in in this park with, with no, <laughs> with bad sound systems, and people were like straining. And there's like planes flying overhead, and there's <laughs> dogs and babies, and people are, like shut up, like telling the dogs to shut up because they can't hear the, you know, like, you know, like as, as opposed to before in New York, it was like ten, twenty shows a night, and it lines was around two, the corner. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So, yeah, uh, I, we needed a reset, didn't we? I mean, not not this kind, where because I know, like you say, so many people are hurting, yeah. but it was not uh, natural what was going on. It was imbalanced, you know?
3: Yeah, I don't know. I like to know what musicians are feeling, but Mike, I mean, did you feel compared to, um, let's say, 15 years ago, uh, if you compare comedy, the way comedy careers work in America Mm -hmm. show business comedy let's just say comedy let's talk about comedy like do you feel like it was like since it's been going pretty insane the last five years in terms of like i 'm lucky, I work on this t v show and then yeah. you would go do a show at stand up at night. You do multiple shows at night on weekends you tour stand up and then every other minute of the day you're trying to come up with some Instagram content, some podcast you know writing some bullshit like it, it like it was like Extremely oh my God, this is exhausting yeah and i don 't and what I want to ask from you is is uh do you feel that's that do you feel that changed in the last 15 years or what even, even 15 years ago before Instagram, do you feel like everyone was kind of hustling 24 seven like this?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm like, uh, 11 or 12 years in. So I'll go from where I started. Um, I would say that like, it was a lot of, I wrote, I worked for a TV show too. And I went and did stand up every night. And if I didn't have a spot, my anxieties would keep me awake about that one if 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 sixteen out of eighteen days were full, the two days that weren't full kept me up at night, and it was like, "Who do I need to email and how can I get more work and i 'm going to become obsolete, and it doesn't matter i'm not saying anything that why can't I write more from the, my core and then i 'm trying to force it, and it 's not what I want it to be, but then when I'm finally able to just let myself be what I want, um, it kept getting worse and worse it kept getting like like you know you know, those cartoons where like the legs are going and you can't stop yourself and you're just going down an oil, like a slick street. It's kind of what it felt like. And when this ended, when, when Corona started, I personally felt like my body saying thank you and my, and my brain being like, this is awesome. We're going to bed at nine o'clock. Like we're just, we're just relaxing and not create, like constantly looking at what to create, what aren't I doing And I think definitely it has gotten as social media has gotten bigger and bigger and more, you know, I mean, if you're not, I I, I mean, Ronnie, we see there's comics that, I mean, make Instagram stories, their entire life is cut up into 19 second clips. And it's like, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. I don't care enough to do that. And if that's what this is going to be, you can have it reminds
1: me of like a shark that uh it's like a great white shark that never stops eating like eats 24 hours a day and it doesn't even shit it's just you know just <laughs> it's like you know you don't have a meal and then stop and then you do something and have a meal it's just like constant and it's not natural yeah it's not. And,
3: and do you feel music has become like that too into it's <laughs>
1: been like that like you know especially the scene we're on where it's kind of you know the the allman brothers band the the motto was the road goes on forever and i was like no the hell it doesn't because i got a two-year-old and a five-year-old and i don't want to miss it all like you know stop like the the road should start you inhale and then you exhale you don't inhale your whole life you know it's just crazy so i really have you know i've been trying to push it this way and it's funny because now I felt I thought, man, I would retire if I had the money. And now I'm like, no, nah, I'd still
0: play. But <laughs> you, know? you choose your gigs. Love of the game. gigs. Yeah. It's love of the games. Yeah, but
1: I've been playing since I was five and I've yeah. been on the road since I was 19 and I'm 55. So, you know, it'd be nice to just stop. It's like, well, I got to stop. And now I'm like, you know what? I just I don't miss the road, but I miss playing with people. Yeah,
3: which is why all you these uh, stand-up shows are popping up in in parks and rooftops. Is because yeah, you just miss the game. Like,
0: I, it, yeah, man. I I did a show at a drive-in in Cape Cod with 430 cars full of people, and it was they tuned into like an AM station. I was talking to Tail on the way up and the way back, and I'm just like, I don't know what the hell I'm gonna do. Like it, like um, you need people sitting arm's distance. Yeah. Remember, I mean, you used to have to squeeze through the front row to get to the seller stage, Ronnie, and and, and you could reach out and touch the person in the front row. Now there's SUVs and, and minivans as far as I could see, and I don't hear them, but I'm doing it because it's like that Sorry. that yeah just hearing myself and feeling myself do it but like you went from like you were I mean internationally you didn't get your you started stand-up in Australia right yeah yeah
3: I started in Australia which is also why um when I uh I lived in Australia for 10 years I went to university in Australia um my wife is from Australia so which is why when over the last five months when I was stuck in Australia I it was like being at home so it wasn't a Uh, a big deal. But yeah, I started in Australia and, um, uh, yeah, the, they, same thing, same thing, Australia, you know, gig shut down, but not, not like, not like New York in the sense that New York is, we're talking what 20 shows a night, every night that got shut down. Whereas, you know, (laughs) Melbourne, like maybe one show a night, maybe, you know, um, so, so the scales are a lot different, you know? Um, yeah. And, um, I'm not sure have you guys been to Australia before?
1: Yeah, I have. I, I have, have not. I, I'm dying to.
3: Where do, you, where do you where did you where did you go, OTL?
1: Uh we used to play this festival. Where was it? Is it Brisbane? There was a festival. Falls festival. But we did uh I can't remember. You know, so many tours, (laughs) international travel in this country. I don't remember. It's all like a blur. But I'm pretty sure we played Sydney, and I'm pretty sure we played Melbourne. Right, right. Uh, But there was some festival, and I remember because there was like between uh, where we were staying in the festival – somewhere around it we heard about these people that like live totally off the grid and like they grew all this pot and oh. they have this little i guess it's kind of like nimbin. a commune somewhere nimbin that's nimbin that, yeah. yeah yeah new south wales so yeah. i was like man can we stop by there yeah you stop <laughs> by there
3: and it sounds good and and then you stop by there, and it's kind of it's kind of a little bit sad yeah ready um, yeah i don't know how you felt about it but i was uh, i know
1: no i never been but right. you know is it, uh, Shakedown shake down street on in grateful dead land can get pretty yeah, so shake
0: down street is when you go to a grateful dead parking lot, the fans take over the parking lot and we make one main road where all of the vendors and all of the cooks and all the drugs are dealt and people meet up. And it's like, it all just kind of organically occurs just right. in every single parking lot at every venue they play. Right. It just, The first people get out, they lay out tarps, they pull out the jewelry and the t-shirts and, and it's just roving community of gypsies. And it's kind of like, you know, going to, to a concert, half the experience is the parking lot. Right.
3: That's so, that's so intense for me. Like, because, um, I I love music like any normal human but I I'm very much out of the music scene so stuff like that like the juggalo scene or the grateful dead scene or the fish scene like yeah, these yeah. these bands that have these like com- communities uh be behind them you know for me i mean that's yeah yeah i've I, I that's so foreign to
0: me you know it's my it's where i live that's, that's what
1: america is going to turn into so <laughs> when there's I no
0: jobs man. anywhere this, the entire
1: country is going to be shaved down street I know. <laughs> well, yeah
3: i mean that's pretty basically what MAGA rally is right now but um did, did you guys did you um uh do you know if like juggalos and like Deadheads,
0: do they fight or like? No, nah, there's no fighting really. It's so juggalos. Teal, do you know that's the insane clown posse guys? Uh-uh. So I don't know. Have, that's the that's the name of insane clown posse fans. And there's one guy who did an anthropological study and wrote a book comparing fish fans and juggalos and it's kind of like juggalos have (laughs) works kind of sorta i think they're yeah i don't know much about it but there's these like yeah so they follow the band and it's this weird you know kind of community thing and uh but the the mute the dead and fish scene which is what we're you know intrinsically part of here and O'Teal's in the dead um it's just become this kind of thing that like every couple months or every couple weeks, or if you can go to one or two shows a year, or you can do all of them. It's, it's, it's going home. It's like, it's like the home away from home where it's like you forget uh, about uh, politics and you forget about, you know, uh, the bullshit at, at home with your family, whatever. And you just kind of get in there and you see your people and there's, there's support for sober fans right, that right. want to stay yeah. sober. Right. There's support so for friends. women. Yep. Like the education about like women's rights. There's, there's head count there to help with uh, <laughs> signing people up to register to vote. So it's kind of like the music is really like, uh, I don't know, a half of the event, you know, when you try to yeah. get there as early as possible. And I mean, I've met so many o- O'Teal has, I mean, as a member of the band, you've obviously had so much probably correspondence and, and, Wanted or otherwise, (laughs) with uh, with fans right that have reached out. I mean, I engage more.
1: I think my wife thinks I'm crazy for engaging so much with fans, like on DMs or just in comments sections or whatever. And uh, but you know, I I try to balance it because I don't want to live online. But the fans are so much friendlier. Like there's so much. Cooler and I, I've really, <laughs> I wish them. comedy was like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's something crazy it's, it's different. about com- yeah. <laughs> different drugs. The fans of comedy are probably drunk, not that ours, not that ours aren't, but you know, they're more tilted toward the mind-expanding, transcendent stuff. drugs. Yeah, so it's a, it's kind of a different mindset. You know? I know, yeah.
3: I wish I, I wish I knew more about what it was like as a musician um, to get fans. I can't speak to that, but with comedy, I just, I, I, I'm just speculating here. I feel like maybe it's because it's so stripped down as a, as a, uh, performance art in terms of your, just, just your voice, right? That I think people think, oh, anyone can do it. And so fans always come in super critical, like, well, not always, but you know what I mean? Like, like, like the, the comments tend to be super critical because there's no kind of appreciation of the difficulty because when it's done really well, just like anything, it looks super easy. Whereas I think with musicians, I feel like you look at a guitarist or a drummer or bass player or singer, and you're like, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> so there's like there's like this humility that comes when you interact with, you know, when you comment about it. There's immediately this humility comes. I don't know. Maybe,
1: maybe sometimes, musicians feel
3: differently. Yeah.
1: Sometimes we get some pretty harsh, you know. It's every once in a while you have to go, why don't you fucking get up here and do it? You know, like I won't. I well but you know, I always go back they we have our critics for sure and trolls and all that. But I always go back to that Leonard Bernstein comment where he says, I've been all over the world thousands of times and the one thing I've never seen is a statue of a critic. <laughs>
3: yeah. That's great. Yeah. I love that. And I, I and Mike knows I know. I'm all about that. I, I literally know. I know I love it. I every love day it. I'm just shutting down these you know, and, and one <laughs> thing one thing um I, I did over the pandemic which is kinda of related to this is I did a twitter for my phone uh, yeah life life yeah, changing life changing life changing with it facebook
1: i don't engage on twitter so i don't post yeah. i very rarely even like i use it as my news because i don't watch mainstream media yeah. but um yeah like facebook that's where i just was like as soon as i cut it everything like all yeah. my boats just rose and rose, yes. and rose and rose and rose you know yeah you know and I, I think
3: d- this is this is for everyone oh, sorry yeah, no, Mike. No, no. go ahead go ahead no, I was just saying, I think this is for everybody, not just performers or whoever, like even everyone. Yes. Like if you don't take the bait, don't take the bait of being online. And I think that's something that's very easy to say. Everyone's always like, everyone thinks they're tougher than they are. So they're like, I, this doesn't affect me. I don't care about this comment. I don't care. But it, if it affects you, I think, admit that it affects you and then just avoid it. You know, everyone's pretending to be a tough guy on the internet and there's too much BS. And some of it is, some of it is genuine people with idiotic views. Some of it is people who are trying to make you angry. Some of it is bots trying to make you angry. They're not even people. So it's
0: like, and some of it's just a cry for help.
3: Yeah. Some of it's a <laughs> cry for help. And and, the, and, and, and unfortunately it's so easy to, for as humans yeah. to take debate right? Like we, we talk about this intelligently right now, but we could go online in the next minute and I guarantee you we will get mad immediately, even Uh though we know, (laughs) we know that, you know, so that's how dangerous it is. You know, and I think we're only starting to understand how easy it is to get hooked into that, you know? And yeah, you're a seriously
1: empathic person too, Ronnie, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and uh, I'm beautiful. I mean, but there's a double edged sword to that, you know, right. (laughs) Do you think, like coming from, because uh, it said you were born in Malaysia? I thought yeah, I read. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, but then you went to school in Australia, and then you're Asian in an yeah. American environment. Do you think, like, feeling like a, kind of an outsider gives you more empathy? You uh, know, or I don't do know. Being, like-
3: yeah, I don't know if being an outsider gives you more empathy. I, I, I just think I nat. I, I like to think like part of it is. Um, uh, yeah, be being self aware, you know. I think being self aware makes you a good comic, right? Because then you know you can call out BS and you can call out your own BS, and you, um, you know, when a joke's not working, you can be very honest yeah. with yourself, like, yeah, that didn't work, you know, like self awareness, you know, I think is yeah. important to cultivate. I just
1: love your take on because, uh, when I was watching your special, you know, with all the racial stuff going on, it's like, okay, so here's uh, America white whatever this my, this century like the perspective perspective from a, asian perspective you know and it's just like it's a different lens but it helps you kind of helps me be more objective about america seeing it from your perspective you know what i mean or someone else yeah thanks it's, it's just thanks cool. it was yeah. really cool
3: and i also hope it's um letting people know that like we- we are we are all irritated by the same things you know what i mean like
4: yeah.
3: we, like we're asian people black people white people like we all we all uh, we can unite behind our irritation at this stuff like it's not yeah.
1: Yeah. we all hate mosquito bites yeah yeah uh, <laughs> my favorite thing was yours was like the the asian happy new year oh <laughs> yeah, yeah it's okay. like get yeah.
4: rich <laughs> i hope you get rich
3: <laughs> yeah
4: Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at Smartwool. For more than 25 years, Smartwool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They're here to help you feel good. Now it's up to you how far you will go take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good.
0: Well, and <laughs> you know what else too? It's kind of like that whole cream rises to the top thing too, Ronnie, because like in watching you do stand up, whether it's new joke night or whether it was a set at the cellar or wherever we're running into each other, you're extremely disciplined. And it seems like that's something that goes throughout your entire like I noticed a lot of the videos that like you're training in martial arts when you're not, you know, like that's like the videos I like seeing of you was like you just after a workout just spent and it's like, see that transcends the different things you do. And I feel like when you're, when you got that like drive and that initiative, you're going to make that marriage that's across international waters work. You're going to make that joke work because when you're getting on stage, you know, that the time you have is important to the quality of that bit. Just let, you know, so it's, it's 100% into, but I mean, it's evident, you know, you watch, you do jokes and you know, you're saying nothing against any other comics, but there's certain comics you watch and you're like, yeah, that joke's been, that's 17 years old. Oh, right, right, right. Oh (laughs) yeah. You know, like,
3: I mean, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I always think I could be working. I'm more, I feel like I'm the laziest guy at the cellar. So, I mean, that's, that's what I'll have it, man. Yeah. I mean, that's what being in New York is. And that's the reason why I want to come back so much is because um for i feel for for most things but let's just talk about comedy again like man it's you know the the competition here makes you really you're you're always surrounded by people who are better than you funnier than you and you know it it for me that that's a driving thing you know i get some people i guess that can be discouraging but for me i'm just like damn these guys are so good and they're working so hard. And you know, that like you, you have to, that's what it takes to, you know, like, I wish I could be 10% of some of these guys, you know, like, and, and so I don't know, like, um, I, so I feel like, uh, I feel like that's more being in New York and we're in New York and that's what you Mm -hmm. get out of being here, you know, and we're lucky to be performing in these places where it's, it's, um, uh, people at the top of their games and you got to bring it every single night. And it, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. And I, do you know what? Do you know what's sad is that I remember, uh, distinctly remember last year, I was walking down the streets of New York and I did, I, I, I just, I was on the Daily Show all day. We were writing, we did the show. And that night I was running around Manhattan doing like, you know, four sets. And and I remember at one moment I was like, man, this is the dream. And then the back of my head was like, this is too good to last, right? But, <laughs> And then, and then quickly I did that Tony Robbins thing of like, nah, you're just being negative. Like uh, there's no way this can end. Like you're just putting yourself down and then it fucking ended. (laughs) like uh, how could how could this end right like in my head even in your worst case scenario like there's always (laughs) (laughs) stand-up
1: but at least it ended for everybody and not just
3: everybody yeah
0: so true (laughs) because in your
3: your head you're like in your head you're like um uh, no matter what happens in your life people die you lose your job There's always stand
0: up (laughs) there's always stand up it's the worst that's where wrestlers go and they can't wrestle anymore that's where real housewives go and they can't real housewife anymore there's always stand up. there's always stand up (laughs) and then it fucking ended like it's crazy even though
3: the one thing the one anyway so that's
0: hilarious i hope it i I hope it comes back is all that you know i'm I'm pretty hopeful yeah Yeah, i'm I'm pretty hopeful yes It will. I, I, you know, I was telling you've been there for me, Oteal during this whole thing. Othiel and I talked, Ronnie, I, I think that it was important to have like a couple friends that you can like really rely on during the past couple months that were like in and out of comedy. You know what I mean? And we would just talk about like, you know, how is it being a dad during this? How's it being married to a nurse during this, whatever, you know, and all that stuff. And um, I've gotten the chance to do a couple outdoor shows under like a low ceiling tent where people are like super stoked to be there. And that felt wonderful, you know? And I'm like, I, I'm cool with comedy being like baseball where it's only in warm weather, <laughs> where we take the winter off, kind of, <laughs> you know? What was it like being in another country during the pandemic? Like, did you feel, was it yeah. like look, being there looking at America? Were yeah, you like, I'm never going back? <laughs>
3: no, that's, I mean, that's the thing. It was, it, okay, so Australia handled it really well. Um, we went Sydney and, uh the uh, the uh, you know i got a lot of gripes with um with australia but you got to give it to them like they at their core very sensible approach to the virus science-based policy Mm. decisions you know and 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 so they shut it down hard um uh, and the numbers were were decent, and um they reopened back up and um you know they're still battling it but uh for example, Melbourne Australia completely shut down right now. you can only leave your house for one hour, and the numbers in Melbourne Australia are equal to new york so so that wow. you know that, but yet New York is like whatever we you you're not keeping us. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're not keeping us at home, but Melbourne was like, no, no, we will, we'll make the hard decision. We'll shut it down. And so that's the kind of stuff they're doing in Australia. And, um, uh, so I was in a place where, uh, I felt relatively safe and, and, um, uh, I, I was looking at the news every day, you know, pop pop because of my job and also because I want to know what the hell is going on. And it looked like America was just ca- like on fire, just chaos, the virus and then the, the protests and then the, you know, uh, the virus actual keeps fires. going and then now actual <laughs> fires. Yeah. It was, it was, it looked like the end of the world. And, and, um, I was always going to come back obviously. And I remember my mom just going like, my mom lives in Singapore and she's always lived in Singapore, you know, she's never lived in America. Well, sorry, she came, she went to college in America, but she, she left after college. And, um, she told me, she asked me like, why do you want to go back? She couldn't understand, you know, why someone would want to go. And, and that's, can, can you imagine like, like in the, for as long as I've known America, it's been a no-brainer to go to America, regardless of your social economic position. You, you could be a white Australian billionaire, and you still come to America. You know, literally Rupert Murdoch came to America to, to do the news here. Like, it, it, you, it doesn't even matter what your race or your how much money you have. Coming to America is a no-brainer. And now it's like, what? Why would you go? Like, look at it, you know. And you just had to tell. I had to tell my mom like because. You can tell dick jokes for money here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that
3: that's what it is. <laughs> the- Dick jokes are worthless in Singapore, but here, you can make 10 bucks an hour.
0: You can make, t- yeah. you get two drink tickets, yeah. bro. You can get it $10. Worth a lot less. <laughs> yeah.
3: And so, uh, um, um, that was what I was like trying to explain to people about America. There's people who won't come. Like literally my, my relatives are like, you couldn't. there's no way I go. Zero chance that you go, you know, so... um,
1: You know, if I didn't have two young kids and I'd be worried about them getting their heads blown off in school and kindergarten, you know, I would be the same way. But I even, having grown up here, I'm still like, I don't know, man, I think... I'm just waiting to see, like, how it's going to shake out, you know, because I might have to bail to you know temporarily I would, i'm would, i sure i would come back but i got these uns, man i don't want them catching bullets i just it's real simple yeah it's crazy it's some of the shit we crazy. put up with man it's crazy some and, of shit and we put
3: up with. i think this this is this isn't that original an idea but i really think that americans could benefit from mandatory like you have to live in another country for six months.
0: <laughs> God, you
3: know, yeah. just, just to see it so yeah. that there's some because I think America culturally has no point of reference for any other country. Exactly. Where, whereas... Every other country, we, 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 we get American culture. Okay, we, we don't understand the nuances, maybe, but we, we see New York on TV. You know, we, we see the president on TV. Like, we get the music. We watch a lot of the American music. So, like, we have a point of reference for America, but America has no point of reference for, for anywhere else. And so what happens is that they, like, if you live here, you, you think that this would be the only way to live. Whereas if you go to Australia and you can say, like, yo, white people can do universal healthcare and it's fine it's not communism it's you know like
1: you can have have uh, short memories too because it wasn't this way you know some things weren't this way 40 years ago or 30 years ago or 20 you know like things change and then we have such short memories i'm like you do know it didn't used to be like this right you know like in school part that's been all yeah yeah but kids getting shot up in school like I'm like, I did not have to worry about that. We did the nuclear power drills. Right, right. You know, but after the Cuban Missile Crisis, we were like, okay, they established the red phone thing. Like, they're not going to go crazy. You know, we're just, this is just literally a drill. But, you know, the kids now in schools that are having to go through these drills, they got to go through therapy for this stuff. And they don't, like, my kids are not going to... Mm-hmm. Go through that. If they have if I see that it's unavoidable, I'll leave. I'm sorry. I, I've been to but, a bunch of other
0: countries. I'm but, like, yeah. You know. but that's the and, thing, right? Oh, sorry, Mike. Yeah. No, yeah, no. It's just an interesting question to have to to parents that I've talked to a bunch of parents that are, you know, they're kind of like we really want our kid to be socialized right now, but we also realize there are a lot of parents that are forcing their kids to live out their ideals and make them go to school and be unsafe to teachers, other kids, other kids, parents, maybe uh, someone who might be compromised at like, you know, in the lunchroom or the bus. And it's like, it's not, about the kids at all right now. And that's the scary yeah. part. That's really what terrifies me is that it's right. just not at all about the kids. Right.
1: You and, know what I'm scared of coming up right now? Is, and this is pandemic aside, take, take the pandemic out of it. But just your kids on a sports team and then you got the crazy sports dad and maybe that crazy sports dad is also a trumper and it's just like okay i just like have my kid not play sports because this guy's nuts and his kid's miserable because it's just a game
0: <laughs> this guy's all yeah, it's wrapped like the, up it's like a drunk dad from the 80s <laughs> and it
1: I've seen it. yeah i've seen it but it hasn't ever been my kid and i'm like i don't know how i'm gonna react when it's my kid you know like, so intense
0: it's terrifying, but I, that's great i mean I, I would I would love to have had the opportunity to there were kids in my school who you needed to be really, really brilliant and wealthy to study abroad in yeah. my high school yeah. and I was neither um I took wood shop quite often, so you couldn't go to you know yo
3: japan japan wood wood, woodworking is really
0: i would have loved that i would have loved that art. i would have loved i would have had to pay for it myself yeah but But yeah if if they went
3: i just feel like if they went you know and i doing the daily show i get to film field pieces all around america and i'm no expert on america i'm just saying i get to meet a lot of you know red state people whatever that means and and you know um big trump supporters and sometimes i'm just like and they're friendly, you know, they're friendly people. And I'm just like, man, if you had just seen, <laughs> if you had just been able to go and see how other people live, you would, you wouldn't, you, you would have a different perspective that, you know, uh, probably it might be, you, you might have better ideas, you know, uh, of ways of doing things or, or even a, a bit more sense of, community or whatever it is empathy yeah yeah Yeah. Um, and and sometimes
0: i think that that doesn't even have to be another country ronnie i think it could be taking a 20 mile drive away from your neighborhood or your suburb and looking at other parts of the state you live in because sometimes that feels like another country yeah you know and, sure. and it's like, just realize that the four walls that you live in isn't everything. for sure. And that's what full circle, the grateful dead and the music taught me as a young kid was that like, we, we worked our asses off the first part of our summers and then gotten a friend's Volkswagen bus, no bullshit and drove and followed the music across the country. And that's where I got to see like, Oh my God, there's like other places. I didn't have that. We didn't go on vacation. We didn't go on, we didn't have like any, any money or to do anything like that. So it was just, that's where I saw and met people with different accents and different, whatever. So like even in, in America, realizing that there's other places to see is pretty important, you know? Well,
1: yeah. America's like 50 different countries. Like if America was Europe, it would be 50 different countries. And people don't realize like, you know, how huge, Some of what we call states, they're as big as countries. Yeah. Yeah. With all different economies and different, like, you know.
3: Yeah, yeah. I guess that is good. That's one good thing
1: from being on the road so much. I guess I can look at that I did get to see so many different things, you know, just traveling America. I've done 48 states so far. Still haven't done Alaska and Hawaii. Yeah. I haven't done Hawaii. Oh, you Hawaii. got it. My it's mom insane. told me. She said, "Make sure you've accomplished everything you want to accomplish in life before you go, because once you get there, you'll stay.
3: <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> you
1: live there. My sister lived there for eight and a half years, and so uh, oh damn, I just, even I just, then you I didn't just, go. Yeah,
0: yeah. I yeah, do want to go. Hawaii is amazing. Hawaii. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I went to the Big Island. I stayed there for a co- uh, about ten days, and it was just absolutely unreal. I, and I—that's the only part I went to. But I—I I liked that I chose that because it had a little bit of everything. There was the mountains; you yeah. could look through the m- biggest telescopes and stare at galaxies far away. There was Buddha Point, where you can look west and and watch the sunrise and fall with a Buddha statue that was like three hundred feet tall. It was the <coughs> most—it was just the wow. greatest place. Hawaii, the
1: food, the yeah. people, ah. Oh. I like to scuba dive too, man. So, you know, once I get there, it's a wrap. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, it's also,
3: it reminds me the weather and the way they, the way they do food and the way they build the houses remind me a lot of Malaysia. And it's, it's still, you talk about America being big. It's like you're in Hawaii. You're like, man, I'm in the middle of the Pacific. I'm still in America you know and it's, yeah you can get all your creature comforts there you know like american
0: creature comforts and dude I, hawaii for me was is, is killer yeah i would love to go back <laughs> what was what was international traveling during covid like coming back from australia was yeah. that bananas ronnie oh uh, yeah you have to question. wear a mask the entire time uh you you
3: have to wear a mask in the airport and then um on the plane unless you're eating and then uh we went the extra mile and we put on face shields uh but uh we kind of we took the face shields off once the plane was in the air and and uh the air circulating and um I mean the I think the science behind it is like the airplane filters are like hospital grade whatever already before this pandemic that that's what they use and then there's a little bit of like well you know you're rolling the dice anyway. So it, like you're on the plane, there's no way if you're getting, you're getting it. Right. But mm. it actually felt pretty safe because, um, uh, it, there wasn't a lot of people. So in a way it was the best experience to fly <laughs> yeah. ever yeah. landing in JFK. Imagine landing in JFK and there's no one. And it's like ah, a private flight. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. So, and then, um, I'm always dealing with immigration cause I'm not, I'm not a U.S. citizen. So no lines, just you know, like it was the uh, like honestly it was the best flying ever. Dream come true. Yeah, a wow. dream come true flying. So so other than the like you you feel you feel a bit like uh you're you're going overboard with the protection, but whatever man like uh, you know like uh, what people I don't think anyone that's judging you if you the most ridiculous I saw someone in a full on freaking like hazmat thing you're like and a even keeper yeah like a beekeeper plastic thing and and in my head I was like. This person must have an elderly parent that they're going back home to. You know, what I mean that—that's so. you know, and <laughs> and so you know, what I mean, like everyone has a story, and so you're like, yeah, no one's judging, whatever, whatever you want. Some people will just have a mask and what. So, it, it, like the thought of looking dumb doesn't apply anymore you can't look dumb anymore and you're just like (laughs) running yeah and so i flew from um with and the flights are uh there's only a few flights now it's not like before if you want to go from australia to america like you you there's really just like one flight there's no (laughs) options there's one flight and you old days. yeah you better be happy with a 30 hour uh you know uh whatever the total flight time plus transit whatever um and it's going to be going it's not direct It's not, you know, you're not going to get the flight you want. And yeah. So that's kind of what it's like, but it's, yeah, it was, it was fine. It was relatively fine. Um, yeah, I, I, I had no problems. In fact, I might have to go to Australia again for work in October. So I might have to go back. So,
1: um, yeah. I was wondering if they would even let Americans come to Australia. Probably yeah, not from Florida where I live. Right. I think <laughs> so yeah, they'd make heavy... you quarantine for...
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. Australia, two week quarantine. And and this, this again, speaks to... I don't want to keep talking about this pandemic stuff because I want to talk to you guys about music actually. But but like uh, Australia, two mandatory two week hotel quarantine. The government put everyone up. Uh, military guard, military security guard, two week enforced. Um, And then uh, after about, after about three months, when, when, when people kind of, when news of the pandemic is now, everybody knows that it's happening. Then it became, okay, now you pay for it yourself. If you come, if you want to come to Australia, you have to pay for the hotel quarantine. Like it's like three, three thousand Australian dollars for two weeks. Uh, But before that, the government's like, no, we're just going to quarantine everyone in hotels and they pay for it. And, you know, so Uh, very what i'm trying to say is very efficient response you know very coordinated efficient yeah
1: that's very much not like what we do (laughs) no not like the. (laughs) there's travel
0: bans in states you know and it's like like i was in in the uh, cape you know and i'm driving back and it's like apparently like massachusetts and rhode island and connecticut new england like this kind of northeast contingency of states has this like ban of you know certain states, and I knew some of the states that were on the list. And it's like, well, there goes that license plate, and there goes that license plate. And it's like, there's nobody watching. Yeah, it's just a joke.
3: Uh, the yeah. Wild West, for sure, and totally uh, the, th- the the same energy that that drives innovation in America that allows us to create the iPhone, that allows us to create stand up comedy, and say whatever you want. Is the same energy that makes people go like, I don't want to wear a mask if I don't have to, you know. And the same energy in in Singapore that -hmm. that prevents people from creating stand-up comedy is the same energy that also says, okay, you know, I'm going to wear a mask to protect the community. So it's like (laughs) pros and cons for sure. (laughs)
1: It totally is. There's benefits to playing it safe and there's benefits to being bold and, you know... That, and that's what I ride because it's like, I'm totally bold. You take my kids out of it, I bring the Civil War on, bring it all on. I will get popcorn <laughs> and raisinets. I'll be out doing my part where I'm supposed to and watching it on TV, the other part, because just out of curiosity, you know. But then the part where the two-year-old and the five-year-old wants to play it really fucking safe, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I have to put them, I have to raise them up, you know. Right.
3: Guys, I'm sorry, it's- I think my aircon guy is coming.
0: Wait. Oh no, do your <laughs> thing, man. Ronnie, tell everybody it, it, before we let you go, uh where where can everybody find all your stuff and uh what's happening?
3: Oh uh, <laughs> guy coming in. Uh so um yeah, you can find me at, at Ryan Chang um on Instagram or uh, uh don't find me on Twitter. Don't go on Twitter. Just don't do it. <laughs> um just go to website RyanChang.com and that's all the stuff is, yeah.
0: All right. Well, we'll let you take care of, like be a, a good host. It's <laughs> <laughs> our host. So someone's coming in to fix the aircon. What's the, what's on your mask? It looks like you have like little trucks. And, uh, oh, all yeah, right.
3: Just, just little trucks. I'm trying to get into the fashion scene with the mask as well. I mean, if we're going to be wearing this, we might as well make it look good, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. I apparently have been doing it all wrong. I had one of those neck things that you could pull up and i guess now they're saying that's even worse than not even having one.
3: Yeah, i saw that too. I had the same thing why is I that the same article.
0: I don't i don't know do you know why, Ronnie? Do you know why it was somehow worse? Oh, uh
3: something like it it doesn't block uh moisture, which is the main thing you're trying to achieve, yeah. I i i, I saw the exact same article cuz i was wearing that mask too. It was like a traveler's scarf, right?
1: Yeah. And i was yeah. like,
3: yeah, we figured out how to get comfortable and look good. <laughs> And actually, we were just just
1: making it worse. yeah.
0: Yeah, And when I had anxiety, I would just pull it over my whole head like a little kid. (laughs) I would just hide.
1: (laughs) I heard if you couldn't blow a match out through your mask, then it was on the better end. Like you were better off. Uh So even with the... the, I had some of those like... I had some tie-dye neck things. And I I just don't like stuff around my neck. So... (laughs) maybe it's the old lynching thing. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I I, I couldn't blow out a match through it. And so I thought, well, this is okay. I just didn't like having anything around my neck. So
0: glad to know that. Sure. Before we let you go, Ronnie, what is production? What's production like as far as now? Because like with the show that with the Jokers, that was kind of like, you know, we had to put the hold on everything. What's production like these days? Are you guys doing are you in studio? Are you?
3: Yeah. So we're not in studio and, um, we're just like, um, we're working remotely. Everybody's working remotely and, and credit to the show. They figured out how to do it within two weeks. They figured out how to, you know, they, they adapted so quick and that's how, you know, resourceful and talented these people are. And we just started working, um, uh, doing the entire show, like from our own homes, even filming, so we would get equipment and just film ourselves and, and, and we send it to the editors and, and they would edit it. So that's wow. kind of what the daily show production has become. Um, and we're a little different because we're a daily show. So we have to make the show every day. And, you know, so so um, uh, that was kind of like our schedule anyway. Um, and uh, uh, with like, I, I've also been lucky to be part of like on set productions because in Australia we reopened. And uh, on set there it's like um, everyone wear mask cut down to entourage you know that no no 50 agents for no cater- just, yeah, just catering and <laughs> yeah catering is now individually served like yeah. you know um, very strict like uh, uh, don't um, um, uh, pe- they hire people to enforce the six feet distancing so I don't know if you've been on set before but there's usually a lot of like uh, assistant directors yelling at you anyway about where to go. And so now there's like more people yelling at you to like, you know, and it's kind of necessary because you put all these measures in place, wear a mask, do this, do that. Within within three hours, everyone kind of gets lazy and forgets. So you need people who don't give a fuck and who are just like yelling at you. So, yeah. you know, I get it. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah, So so that's kind of what production looks like, I think, right now. And honestly, I was like, the fact that, we're in production is a miracle so
4: I, I know
0: yeah i can't wait to get back yeah yeah. But thank you so much for hanging dude i know no, you no, got a busy day
3: no, no problem sorry yeah it's, no. it's like murphy's law everything started happening when we were on the podcast but uh it's nice to meet you all too and good to see you again mike
0: yeah hope you to, uh, too, we'll have you back soon
3: and we'll uh catch up yeah let's talk about music next time jesus would love to yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to <laughs> do your
0: homework yeah yeah <laughs> Thanks a lot. all right later see everybody this. thank you for listening peace